Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Rob Gray, and I'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Christ is our peace. He made both Jews and Gentiles into one group. With his body, he broke down the barrier of hatred that divided us. He canceled the detailed rules of the law so that he could create one new person out of the two groups, taking peace. He reconciled them both as one body to God by the cross, which ended the hostility to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so we've been talking about God with us in the traditional Advent themes of hope, love, joy, and today, peace. Well, who, who doesn't want peace, right? I mean, I would think everybody wants peace at some level. I mean, I know there's always the person who likes to argue at the gathering. But most of us want peace one way or another. In our day and time, we, uh, we think of peace in, in a couple of different ways. One is that, of course, we think of a global kind of a peace, um, uh, conflict among nations. We pray for peace in Ukraine. Uh, many of us have spent our entire life praying for peace in the Middle East. Um, these kinds of conflicts, we pray for peace, this global sense of peace. But we also want peace personally, peace in our lives, peace in our heart. We want to be at peace as well. Well, in December, I don't know about you, but there's often hectic schedules, strained budgets, and family tension. And so a little peace would be a, a good thing. Well, these are connected. I mean, the global peace and personal peace are kind of connected. In, in some ways, you can't really have one without the other. Um, and, and both are included in, in discussion taught in the Bible. They're also in the story of Jesus' birth. In Isaiah 9, the, the prophet says that the, the Messiah will come who will be the prince of peace. Well, that denotes something far larger than just a personal peace, the Prince of Peace. And in verse 7 of that chapter, it says, There will be vast authority and endless peace for His throne and kingdom forever. Global peace. But then you have this, this, the, the account in the uh, first chapter of Luke, right in the middle of that first chapter where the angel has come to Mary telling her that she's going to give birth and He will be named Jesus and He will be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That's pretty, pretty big news, right? I mean, it's pretty kind of earth-shattering news. I mean, personally, and I mean, it's just a big deal. And, she, and after the, the angel has said all that the angel is going to say, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Well, that's, that response kind of sounds like a person at peace <laughs> with it, right? She seems to be at peace with all that is going on. Well, let's, let's just talk about peace and, and just kind of clarify what we're talking about here. What is peace? Of course, in the, in the Bible, the biblical word in Hebrew is shalom, which uh, means more than just the absence of conflict. It means, um, it means reconciliation of relationships. It means a sense of fulfillment. It means well-being. Um, all those things tied up in this no, biblical notion of peace. Well, and of course, there's obstacles to those peace, that, to that peace um, that we, we encounter. Conflict, 
uh, between people, between groups, uh, hostility, anger, violence, willfulness. You know, we often lack peace because a person or, or group, individual or, or corporate, is trying to exert their will over others. Well, that's not peaceful. I'd suggest that's not peaceful either direction. It's not peaceful for the person or group who's having power exerted on them. And, and, if, and if the person is trying to exert power over somebody else, well, that's not a peaceful thing anyway. So that's not peaceful at all. Well, we'll be practical today as we talk through this, uh, but we're also going to talk about how it's a matter of faith as well. So, it seems to me to find, uh, experience a sense of peace, there's, there are movements, uh, so to speak. It's not like step one, two, three, but there are movements toward peace. And the first movement is to begin to identify the pain. And when I say pain, I mean that in a broad sense, um, uh, pain, disappointment, uh, anger, rejection, disillusionment. What, what's the thing going on that is robbing you of peace? And figure out what that is and, and name it. What is the thing? Now, it can't be something as simple as saying conflict. Because in a sense, conflict is just a guarantee in life. We're always going to have conflict. The difficulty is, is that when we have a conflict or a difficulty, what we often experience uh, initially is, is a fear, right? A fear of, of the presenting situation. As a matter of fact, when uh, there, I mean, there, a great example in the Bible is when uh, Jesus is, is in the boat with his disciples or going across the Sea of Galilee, and a terrible storm comes up. And the waves and the wind are so terrible that they, they fear for their life. And Jesus uh, is asleep on the boat because he's... I guess because he's so at peace. Um, and he's asleep. They wake him up. Don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus uh, stands, remember, and calms the storm and says, peace, be still. They were experiencing fear. They're experiencing fear. We know what fear is. I mean, you're, you're, you're awake in the middle of the night. For whatever reason, you're awake in the middle of the night, and you hear a noise in your house. <laughs> you know, and you're uh, what was that? That's not a normal noise. That's fear. The difficulty is sometimes we let fear become anxiety. Anxiety is laying in bed, not hearing anything, but wondering if someone's trying to break into your house, right? It's not based on anything that's happening. It's just that's the anxiety that, that builds in us. And sometimes what robs us of our peace is our anxiety, <laughs> When I, was, uh, when I was in high school, I had a Sunday school teacher. All four years I was in high school, five. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't take five years. It was, it was just four. Um, and, and he was, I don't remember a lot of what he said, just to be real honest. I don't remember a lot of what he said. But he was a great guy. He was just a real, he was just authentic, you know. He cared about you. He, he was a man of faith. And it just that, that by itself communicated a lot. The one thing I remember him talking about one day that I guess maybe as a teenager it really resonated with me was when he said he had come to learn that what he thought about himself was not a problem. What other people think about him is not a problem. What he thinks other people think about him, that's the problem, right? 
That's anxiety. That's letting something just roll around in our head like, oh, well, what are they thinking about right, right now? And we're imagining these things. And so often that becomes a significant obstacle to peace. And we have to understand that's a choice that we're making in those moments. So we have to identify what it is that's going on that's, that's robbing me of peace. And then we have to understand that so many things uh, operate in patterns, and so we have to disrupt vicious cycles. Whether that's internally, the anxiety, I need to, I've got to figure out a way to stop the anxiety spinning around, or whether it's in relationships. How do you stop the vicious cycle? Because the, the, the truism is that when people don't know what to do, they do what they know. When people don't know what to do, they do what they know, what's familiar. And so often we get into these cycles, right? We get into these cycles, and we're uh, trying to figure out how to get out of that. Well, the whole story of the birth of Jesus is about God disrupting a cycle, about God disrupting what was been going on from a long time ago. When, a couple years ago, we did a study called The Story. Anybody remember the story? We took about eight or nine months, and we went from Genesis through Revelation uh, to read through the, the highlights of the whole of the Bible. And uh, one of the things you see in the Old Testament is that pattern where uh, God reaches out in love and grace to humanity to say, I want to be in a relationship and humanity says, yes, you are a good God. We want to be in relationship too. And so because it's a relationship, there's going to be boundaries. God set the boundaries of the relationship. They're called commandments. And so, uh, hum- and so humans responded faithfully until they didn't, until they said, well, we don't want to do it God's way. We're going to do it our way. And so they broke the relationship. And then they had to suffer through the consequences of what it means to break a relationship with God. And then ultimately God reaches out to them with grace and love again, says, I want to be in relationship with you. And they recognize, oh my goodness, we strayed away from our our relationship to God. We're going to uh, uh, renew our faith in God and reconcile with God. And we're in relationship, we're going to live faithfully to God until we don't. And just this cycle over and over and over. And so when when God sent his son Jesus, God with us, born in the flesh but also fully God, it's to disrupt that cycle to say that not only did did God come to be with us, but God died for us on the cross and rose from the grave. That disrupts all the other cycles to say that God's power and love are available to us at all times, and even the Holy Spirit continues to be with us, to live in us and give us the power and the life that God intends us to have. God disrupted the cycle of humanity's breaking away from God and and coming back and breaking so that we always have availability to reconcile with God. Disrupt vicious cycles. So when you recognize the cycle, you know, we've got to do this differently somehow. Well, you also need to create new practices, Create new practices. There's, you know, you gotta, you gotta do something with that. In Paul's letter to the Philippians in chapter four, he says, "Don't be anxious about anything." <laughs> There's that anxiety again. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all of your requests to God in, in the, your prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. 
So instead of being anxious, we're going to pray. We're going to make a request known to God, and we're also going to give thanks. You know, I saw an article the other day, it, I mean, just in a secular uh, periodical, and it said, do you want to be happy? Here are three things to do. Real simple. Think of three good things that happened that day. So at the end of the day, what are three good things? And think, okay, it would be this. It, it's kind of like counting your blessings, but think of three good things that happened this day, and then say, this good thing happened because why? What is it that made it good? What, who did what? To recognize that there's a, there's, a, there's a connection to a decision, to an action. We're grateful to God. I'm grateful to God. I can give thanks that this good thing happened today because that happened. Create new practices. So Paul says, don't be anxious, pray. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. Peace, shalom. To be at peace. These practices, these things we do so that we become peaceful people. Do things that encourage peace. We're, we're maybe, maybe past the time now that we have the, the Christmas office party or neighborhood party. Or, but, but you probably still have family gatherings coming up or something. And, um, you know, there are some families, not every family is this way, but, but some families that you can kind of set your watch that, you know, well, okay, it's about 3 o'clock. Well, Uncle Bob's going to get mad about politics again. Or, or he's going you know, to bring up that football game. Or he's going to, you know, something... Because someone's going to get mad, and someone reacts, and there's that reaction, and someone storms out, and whatever it is, there's this strife, right, in the gathering. Happens every year. Well, I mean, so what would be a a way of, you disrupt the cycle, you're going to do something different, I'm going to create a new practice. It could be just removing yourself from the situation. I'm just going to step away. (laughs) I'm going to go read for a little bit. A great thing to do maybe is say, you know what, I'm going to go for a walk. Who wants to go on a walk with me? You might be surprised how many people want to go on a walk at that moment, right? Just something. I, we're gonna, I'm going to do something different. And if Uncle Bob wants to, you know, rant about whatever it is, okay. But I'm going to go do something different. I'm not just going to stay in this same cycle. That's a new practice. Read things that help you be a person of peace creating a new practice. There's, there's a, this great story uh, coming out of the World Cup, um, which I know there's a match on. Don't tell me. It's being recorded. I'm going to watch it later, so don't tell me. Um, uh, we, Mary and I have watched several matches this year. It's been fun to watch. And there's a great story about the, the uh, team from Japan. They, they had a decent showing this year, but you know ultimately they were eliminated. And after the last match... The team cleaned the men's locker room. They cleaned the men's locker room and left a thank you letter on a table that was written in Japanese and also written in Arabic for the World Cup organizers to have. Cleaned the locker room, left a thank you note. And after their final match where they were eliminated, there was, there's video and photographs of Japanese fans in the stands who are going along picking up trash and cleaning up. Wow, talk about creating a new practice. 
Next time you go to a, a Mavericks game or a Stars game or a Cowboys game, what, what if afterwards we clean up around us? Well, that's crazy. Let me see, a soccer match. But so, we're, we're talking about soccer. So let me see, what often goes on at a soccer match? Well, anger, hostility, screaming, threats against the referees or whoever else. Wow. What about being a person of peace in that situation and doing what you can? I can do this much, that's what I'll do. Create new practices. So as we disrupt the cycles and we create new practices, then we live a life of shalom. We we live a life of shalom, that you are a peaceful person, that regardless of what's going on around you, you can be at peace. I think, I, just, I can't help but think that some of what Jesus meant in John chapter 10 when he was teaching, he said, I have come that you would have life and have it to the full. Or other translations, that you would have abundant life. Again, that sense of well-being, that sense of fulfillment, that shalom is all about. The, the, the passage that, was that Rob read a little bit ago, Ephesians 2, Jesus is our peace. He is our shalom. He has eliminated the divisions, eliminated the hostilities that we keep clinging to as if they matter. We can let those go and join Jesus in that peace. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, Jesus was uh, telling his disciples how to go out into the mission field and, and go about doing their work. And he says, when you come upon a house, extend your peace to the house. Shalom. If they return it, hey, well, let's, okay, let's talk. If, if, if they don't, we'll just go to the next house. You can't say, no, you must accept my peace. <laughs> well, no, that doesn't work. You can't force peace. And Paul, in Romans chapter 12, said, if possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. To the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. So whatever it is in your life, whether it's the family gathering coming up or whether it's a work situation or a neighborhood or wherever it is, think, how can I live peace in that moment? How can I be a person of shalom at that time? See, it's because God, because Jesus is God with us. It's imperative to accept that there is a higher purpose to our lives. And it takes faith. Faith that there is a higher purpose to our lives. God calls us to a response to follow God's model of disrupting the cycle and being the presence of peace. And so we trust that God will bring peace on earth someday, maybe not in our lifetime. But somewhere along the way, there will be peace. You might have heard of the uh, Christmas truce in World War I in 1914. Um, uh, There was some, uh, it was not an official truce. There were some British soldiers and there were German soldiers lined up in their trenches on the battlefield. At that moment, they were not actively fighting one another. They were a period of kind of a downtime. And it also was Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So, because it was Christmas Eve, 
Soldiers on one side began singing Christmas carols. Well, the sounds of the Christmas carols drifted to the other side, and they heard it, and they began singing Christmas carols. And after a little while, they began to look around and look out across the battlefield, and they began to come out of their trenches and to come out onto this place that had been the place of injury and death, and they come out without their weapons onto this battlefield, and they began to chat and to talk and to share gifts with one another. Now, you don't have much to give on the battlefield, but maybe some extra you know, gum or candy or here's some tobacco, something. There's, they exchanged something with one another, and someone had a soccer ball. And they kicked around the soccer ball in this no-man's land of a battlefield on Christmas Day. Unfortunately, that didn't, that didn't turn the tide of the war. But at least in that day, they made a different choice. They made a different choice. Conflict is inevitable. Our fear and anxiety can sometimes get the best of us. But we can choose to be a person of peace. Let's pray. God, we thank you for um, the ways in which you make peace available to us. We thank you for this peace that is so deep and so vast that, that we can't even comprehend it. And yet it comes to us from you as a gift. So God, may we May we give more and more of our lives to you, our fears, our anxieties, conflicts, so that we would be that person of shalom in the world. We pray, God, that in this moment we feel your peace in a tangible way. To know that we're different. We're different now because we've heard your word, and your word has been at work in us and that word continues to work in us as we go from here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed day.